Hi, Coach Joe Lucas, and welcome to the Magellan Network Show. For nearly 30 years, I've been focused on helping advisors become the best, both personally and professionally. This show is dedicated to sharing with you tools, tips, strategies, distinctions, things that are working now. I'd love for you to take a moment, and if you're watching this on YouTube, click the like button and also the subscribe button so you get automatic updates. And if you happen to be listening to us on a podcast, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you leave a positive review for us. Now, with that said, let's get to today's episode. Hi, it's your coach, Joe Lucas, and welcome to this episode of the Magellan Network Show. It is now, uh, obviously, mid-December uh, 2021, and I want to continue our conversation from last week about business planning, strategic planning, really all one and the same. And uh, what I want to do today is just kind of talk to you about why I find advisors fail at planning, like what are some of the let's not do this again, some of the don'ts, if you will. What I think really is a great process, right? In other words, uh, what what does it look like to kind of put it together from an infrastructure standpoint? And uh, let's just start with those conversations. So first off, you know, what I find very fascinating, and uh, I remember seeing a study on this uh, a couple of years ago. I forget who did it. Uh, but basically, I think with 75, 80% of advisors uh, do not have a written plan, or uh, if they do, they have not reviewed it in the last 90 days. And I always found that fascinating. Um, look, and I don't care what your business card says, uh, whether it says a, one of the wirehouses out there, or you operate your own business through a relationship with a, you know, an IBD or you're an RAA, ultimately, you're a business owner. You have that responsibility. You know, I, I talk about the three identities, the advisor, the business owner, and the entrepreneur. The business owner and the entrepreneur need the plan. They need vision. They need, a, they need a, a, a path forward, right? And what I find sometimes what happens, and this has been very interesting, when I'll, when I'll talk to an advisor, a potential new client, and we uh, get into the conversation about, uh, when I ask, hey, can I see your current business plan? And of course, it's like, well, I really don't have one, or I can't find it, or I keep all my, I keep all everything up in my head. Right, very dangerous process. Ultimately, it boils down to a couple of reasons why it is the way it is, and it always stems from the past. Uh, and what I mean by that is the following: A, uh, when you were new in the business, your sales manager, your branch manager, your leader, whomever probably came to you and they maybe maybe even provided you some forms or a spreadsheet and they said, hey, what are you going to do next year, right? So they'll give you this, you know, well, I'll call it a spreadsheet-oriented, uh, number-based concept of putting a plan together. The problem with those, uh, there's no, uh, you know, it, it doesn't lead to anything. It's just really an academic exercise. Uh, there's no emotion, no commitment, no how do we get it done every day, uh, none of that. It's just it's just a calculation, basically. The second situation I find sometimes is maybe you will write out some goals. So maybe you'll take the spreadsheet that your manager, sale, you know, branch manager, leader, coach, whatever gives you, and uh, but you say, you know, I'm going to come up with some written goals, and you come up with some written goals, and what happens is that when you do that, and you're not careful about how you put them together. My mentor Tony Robbins says human beings overestimate what they can get done in a year and underestimate what they can get done in a decade. And I find that to be uh, absolutely true in this situation. 
where a lot of times we'll be over, you know, we'll get, hey, new year, we'll get over, like, hey, let's go make 2022 our best year ever, and we get really excited, and we come up with some big goals, right, and they're not, they're not vetted, they're not stress tested, they're not really looked at, and then you go into January, and, you know, your brain goes, hey, man, we gotta get off to a great start, so, you know, you go to bed early, you get up early, you get to the office early, you actually write down what you're gonna do every day, and uh, you're pushing on it, and, you know, Third, fourth week, uh, if you will, of uh, January, you're realizing that you're becoming behind the curve, or maybe you get into February, and you look at your January results, and it was like, oh man, I'm, I'm behind. And then uh, you push a little bit into February, and you still realize you're behind. You'll probably be behind the end of February again. And uh, at that point, 90% of people check out, say, hey, this whole goal thing is painful. It, it's not exciting me. It's reminding me of my failures or my soon-to-be future failures. And so let's just abandon it and go back to what we're doing. And that's what most people do. And, and so what you have to look at is how do we stop that from happening going forward? I think the first thing is to really have a conversation with yourself and remind yourself, hey, the past is not equal to future. Hey, just because uh, I did not have a great planning process or I came up with things and I didn't accomplish them, I didn't achieve them. Hey, there's a reason why. Either they were not thought out well, uh, or you're overly aggressive short-term and not overly aggressive long-term. Like what we do here is we do a 10-year, a three-year, and a one-year. So a 10-year strategic plan, you know, as, as much vision as we can get, as much detail as we can get. The, the heart of the matter is the three-year, or we like to call the 12-quarter snapshot that's where, hey, details matter, the team matters, what you're going to do matters. Then we extrapolate that down into a nice, tight one year. Here's what we're going to accomplish in the next 12 months. But they're all vetted. You know, in other words, they all make sense. And uh, what I find a lot of times is people will, again, uh, be overly aggressive short term and then uh, and not overly aggressive long term. And you put yourself behind the curve. We always have to remember, at least the way I do, again, you know, I have my way of doing things. Uh, everybody's got their way. And I'm not going to say there's a right or wrong way. I think it all depends what you resonate with, quite frankly. Uh, but in my world, you know, when, when we talk about goals, uh, number one is we're never going to do a singular pass-fail goal. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's just talk top line, production. So let's just say, you know, you're going to go into 2022 and over the last several years, uh, you've always said, I've got a number in mind. So let's say you don't even do anything in writing, okay? Let's just say you keep it all in your head. And so you tell yourself, hey, this year you know, or next year, hey, I have a goal of X. Let's just say I have a goal of $1.5 million. And let's say this past year, 2021, as again, hypothetical, you did $1.3 million, okay? So you go, hey, I'm going to go put 200K on top line on the board, uh, you know, we, we'll figure out the math, AUM, all that, you know, that's, uh, again, that's the easy part, but we're going to go from, we're going to go from one, uh, again, we're going to go to one five from, from, you know, one three. So $200,000 increase. The problem I have with that historically is it's pass fail. So if I do 1.295, right, I failed. If I did one point, you know, seven, do I get extra credit for it? And so I've always operated with the concept, and here's why I do this, of what I call a goal range. A goal range. And what's a goal range? So we'll take the same situation. Uh, you do 1.3, 1.5, 1.7, 1.8, 1.9, 1.10, 1.11, 1.12, 1.13, 1.14, 1.15, 1.16, 1.17, 1.18, 
and you say to me, hey, I want to do 1.5. First question out of my mouth, what does that represent? Is that the minimum acceptable? Is that the mid-range? Or is that the brass ring throw a party number? What is it? And typically, I'll get something around the world of like, well, well now you put it, put it that way, uh, probably more of the mid-range. So, okay. So, what's the minimum acceptable? So, they may say like 1.4, 1. 1.145. Okay, great. What would really excite you about the year? Like, what's a number that's bigger, bolder, brighter, scary? Right? I want the top line scary. And so, maybe they'll say, hey, 1.7. And they'll freak out even writing it down. Here's why that's important. Your mind and your brain, in order to accept a new goal, needs to see it. So let's say, for example, of this scenario, right? So if they just wrote down 1.5, and then, okay, and come, you know, say it's um, July 1st, third quarter run's going to happen. And they're tracking ahead of 1.5. Like, they're going to annualize out. Most advisors will go into what I call sandbag mode. They'll, hey, they'll take their foot, hey, hey, I'm going to accomplish my goal. I can chill out. I could relax, right? And then all the habits, all the effort, all the momentum that you created will dissipate. But if you sat there and say, hey, um, I, I'm on track to plus, I'm over 1.5, and man, I haven't shot my top line goal of 1.7. If I really, really focus second half of the year, man, I got to shot out 1.7 or, or close to it. Well, now I'm playing a different game playing a different game. And the reality was based on this situation, the advisor would have probably came up one seven the next year. So in other words, we're letting them see the number a year in advance. This is critical. Listen up. This is important. You want your big number to almost be like your two years. So you want it to be almost your 24 month goal. Like you want to see a big number on the top. If I always say most advisors operate in a very narrow band, you know, I'll try to do between like 1.3 and 1.4 right? Or 1.351. Like they'll, they'll really skinny it down to almost like less than 10. Like that's like an 8% variation, right? The other reason why ranges are important is just the dynamics of our business, right? You get a referral that one of your top clients refers you today, you get a name, right? Or so-and-so is going to call your so-and-so's on your voicemail or in your email, right? Hey, that could be your client's niece or nephew, who needs a $5,000 529 plan, or it could be their best friend from the country club who has a $5 million portfolio. I mean, there are radical differences, right? It's over, It's still a name nevertheless. So there's going to be the dynamic part of what we do and the kind of requirement of the uncertainty, right? We just don't know what's going to show up. So you never want to have pass-fail goals. I would apply that to all areas, right? So top line, if we're going to talk revenue slash gross production, we're going to talk number of new households, we're going to talk uh, new money, so new assets. We're going to talk, again, if premium's part of your game, number of financial plans, whatever. We're going to arrange everything out, a minimum acceptable and a brass ring scary number that kind of gets us, that shakes us, gets us shaking and quaking a little bit. But we want that, okay? Very important. So the other reason why advisors struggle with planning is that they'll, the, and I've seen this, it drives me crazy as a coach. You know, some people don't spend like, a, you know, an hour in the morning over a cup of coffee and they're good for the year, okay? Others will spend hours if not days putting a plan together, right? And it fascinates me. I think some of you think this is like some kind of annual, like almost like a tax return that I just got to get it done and then we file it away and never see it again. One of the things, if you're going to take the time, the energy, the effort, 
and maybe the economics, if you want to use my system, my, my process, is that you're going to read the, your plan at minimum once a week. Now, what I do inside of my tribe in Magellan Network, every Saturday, I send a note reminding them, hey, welcome to the weekend. Saturday, let's, let's grab some time, review our strategic plan, and then Sunday, we prep for the upcoming week. So yes, we play a seven-day-a-week game because that's what's necessary to be super successful, okay? So the bottom line is, why go through all the pain and suffering, if you will, of putting your plan together, and then you just abandon it? Like, I can't find it. When's the last time you read your plan? Uh, you know, a couple of months ago. Like, make the commitment. Again, whether you use mine, you're going to come up with a one-pager of your own goals, whatever you're doing. Commit to every week, like every seven days, you want to reread it. You want to be around it. You want to be very clear on it. Okay? That's uber important. The next mistake I see advisors make, they do, they do what I call flatline planning. Now, what do I mean by that? So, I'm going to keep it simple for the argument's sake. Um, hey, I want to do $1.2 million. That's my minimum number I want to do next year. So, hey, I got 12 months or, or four quarters, whatever you want to do. So I'm, I got I to gotta average $100,000 a month revenue or $300,000 a quarter revenue. And here's what happens. You don't hit the first quarter or the first month, right? Because you're building momentum. This is why this is so dangerous. You flatline plan. What you're really saying is this. I am no better at the end of the year upcoming than I am at the beginning of the year. In other words, I've got no additional momentum. I've not created a bigger pipeline. I've not created new opportunities or bigger opportunities. I'm just kind of doing what I do. We don't want to do that. So the key thing is to, and especially like maybe in the summer, you're going to take some downtime. Maybe you're going to take a sabbatical. You know, uh, we create sabbaticals inside of our game in Magellan Network for people. So it's not fair to you to sit there and take the number divided by 12. You need to look at it and break it up. We like to break things up quarterly and say, okay, what's a reasonable Q1? What makes sense in Q2? Q2? What's our situation going to be in Q3? And what do we need to do in Q4 to bring home? So in other words, we're going to take that 1.2 and we may say, hey, if we can do 250 quarter one or 225 quarter one. If we can do uh, 275, you know, 275 or so quarter, you know, quarter two, like three, 325, quarter three, 325, 350, quarter four, right? We add it all together. We're going to be at 1.2. Again, forgive my math. I'm just using it as an example. But you can't tell me that you don't think you'll be better at the end of the year than the beginning of the year, that you're not going to continue to grow and evolve, create more momentum. So your plan and the breakdown of the plan have to go ahead and you know, account for that basically. And if you're going to take a chunk of time off in the summer, make sure that again, we account for that when we're doing our quarterly KPIs. It's uber slash critically important. What else do I see, you know, advisors make mistakes on? Um, they'll come up with an annual plan and I'll, or goals and I'll say, great. So tell me what you have to do every day to pull this off, to make this a reality for you. Um, hmm. That's a good question, Joe. Huh? Uh, I don't know, huh? You've got to break this down into actions and activities. So you can't sit there and say, well, I need to produce X. Again, same thing. Well, I'm going to produce X amount of dollars a day. If you look, maybe if you're working in 1985, that's the way it was done back then with daily tickets and gross every day and stuff like that. Obviously, our game, you know, from, again, the vast majority of us is different. 
but you've got to be clear on what you need to accomplish each and every day to pull your game off. And it's going to revolve around probably three tangibles and two intangibles. Three tangibles. How many, how many people are you going to be talking to in any given day? How many meetings are we setting up in any given day, prospect, ref, uh, reviews, whatever we're doing? And then uh, how many times are we reminding our clients we're here as a resource for friends, family, colleagues, and coworkers, i.e. the referral slash introduction conversation? Now, I will tell you just really quick on that, and this is not the subject for our, our conversation today, but I just had one of my mastermind groups. Uh, it's a virtual group. And uh, at the end of every year, we disclose our kind of our numbers for the year, KPIs, benchmarks, and things like that. And it was interesting, you know, we had one member in our M5 group. They sourced over 72 new referrals, 31 of which became clients. Think about that, 31 new households from just reminding your clients that you're here as a resource. So again, it's the devil in the details. How are we going to pull it off? What's going to be required to make that happen? All those things are critically important. So you need to be able to take whatever the goal is for the year, look at it quarterly, but then extrapolate down daily. So we've got contacts, meetings, and then intro combos, the way it's called. Those are the tangibles. The intangibles, the other two, so think of it as five, but the other two. What does the first hour or your morning ritual look like? And we're not going to cover it today, but inside of what we do inside Magellan Network, we have a very definitive eight-step, we call it our Magellan Morning eight. It's an eight-step process protocol that I've developed working with top advisors for decades, just like top athletes. There's a pre-game ritual, right, that they go through. We create your pre-day ritual for you to be excellent each and every day. Critically important, right? So we've got that one, and then we want to make sure we're tracking everything. We're holding it, we're keeping a self-accountability by tracking all of our results. So the three intangibles and the two intangibles are critically important, total of five. And again, that's what you need to do, break it down. These are just some elements I wanna share with you again. Next week, we're gonna cover a little bit more, we'll give a little bit more magic, if you will, some ideas on how to, how to build your plan. But remember, no flatline planning, do not have a pass-fail goal. So we use ranges, we be realistic in how we wanna unveil it, we break it down to a day. The three things I need you to be aware of. And lastly, before we say goodbye, and there's some links. So look, fabizplan.com if you want to take a look at our system. I, I created a new video. It actually walks you through everything, fabizplan.com. And, you know, the one thing I would say is if you've had a bad planning experience, it doesn't mean that you need to or can't give up doing planning for yourself. Remember I said last episode, I think it's incredibly incongruent for an advisor to talk to a client or a prospect about doing a financial plan when you yourself don't operate with your own business plan. Okay? So, hey, thank you for listening and watching this episode of the Magellan Network Show. I'll see you all in about seven days for a continued conversation around how to structure and put together a dynamite 2022 strategic plan. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode of the Magellan Network Show. Hey, if any of this resonated with you, I invite you to come to MagellanNetwork.net and we have a powerful group coaching community of like-minded advisors. Come in for a trial. You and I will have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Let's see if I can help elevate your game both personally 
and professionally.